Let's go back to Bethel for a moment today. The word of the Lord for your life today is this. You need to go back to Bethel. Go back to that place in the middle of nowhere where God met you and brought you out of nothing. Touch the person next to you and tell them, I'm going. Come on. I'm going. Going. Back. Back. To Bethel. Bethel. 5% of y'all got it. I said, I'm going, going back, back to Bethel, Bethel. I'm going, going back, back to Bethel, Bethel. You can cross-reference this in the book of Second Biggie. I'm going, going. It'll bless your soul. I'm going, going back, back to Bethel, Bethel. Everybody, I'm going, going back, back to Bethel, Bethel. University, I wish you would get up on your feet and say it. I'm going, going back, back to Bethel, Bethel. Going back. Going back to that place. Because you got to learn how to go back to Bethel in your heart on the way to where God is taking you that you haven't arrived yet. Yeah, yeah, you just learn how to go back. That's what Jacob did. That's what God told him to do. He said, go back to that place in the middle of nowhere where I met you. Go back to Bethel. Three things Bethel represents, and then I'll be out of your way. Number one, write these down. Bethel is a place of remembrance. It's a place of remembrance. A place where you remember how God set up shop in the desperate situations in your life and made a way through the wilderness. I'm going back to Bethel today because I need to remember some things. You know, one of the most oft-repeated commands in Scripture is remember. We're always wanting to learn something new. But sometimes the key to where we're going and who we're becoming is not something that we need to learn, but something we need to remember that we've already seen. And so God tells Jacob, I know you're 100 and you've been through some things, but go back to Bethel. Go back. That's part of what was so cool about our live worship recording for me and for those of you who may be watching this on television or at a later time, listening on a podcast. As of the preaching of this message, we just recorded our latest worship album at Time Warner Cable Arena, the largest venue in our city, indoor venue in our city, and our church came together and we sang songs of praise and it was amazing. And and it was amazing on many levels. One, because it was just cool, and, and, and it was just great. But secondly, for me, it was a trip back to Bethel in my heart. Let me explain, if you'll indulge me for a moment. Some of y'all just come to church here, and you have no idea what kind of stones we used to have as our pillow when the church started. And I knew that to really communicate this message, I would have to share a thing or two autobiographically. See, when we're in worship as a church together, I'm always doing two things. One, I'm worshiping Jesus like I'm supposed to, but then I'm always just looking around at people. And at the arena on Friday night, I was, while we were worshiping for the first couple of songs, I was watching the stage, but then it didn't take long for me to start doing a little panoramic 360 of the arena, and I would, I would see people 
that have been with us on the journey, and it would touch me so deeply that it would produce a praise in my heart and faith in my heart because different people's faces would take me back to different places that I've been and how God was there with me in those places. So I'm just, I'm just looking around, you know, and I know it's somewhat like an invasion of your privacy to be watched while you're worshiping, but it's a pastoral privilege, okay? So I'm like totally looking around and watching people. I'm seeing all the people who have meant so much and people who have been there through so much. So like, for instance, I'm, I'm looking around the auditorium and I see, um, first of all, of course, on the stage, the worship leaders who are up there. And you don't know this um, about Mac Brock and Chris Brown and Wade Joy. We have so many worship leaders. I hate to call names, but those are the three that I asked to come and, and meet with me seven years ago. And they didn't know why they were coming because I'd met all of them at little youth events that we had been at together where they were playing music and I was preaching all over the place and I'd met them through the years and, 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 and I, I called them together and, and they all had a different plan for their life. They were like, you know, um, one of them was going to Nashville to do music. One of them was going to LA to do something creative. One of them was going to try to start a church. And I said, hey, you know what? You three guys, you can all go do that. Or you could be in the will of God and come to Charlotte and start a worship ministry that will bless our city and hopefully touch the world. And so when I was at the worship recording, you might have been thinking about a, the song or something like, or how, you know, what somebody was wearing or something, and that's fine, or the lights or the thingy, and then we went to stuff or whatever. But what I was thinking about, I went back to Bethel in my mind, and I remember sitting in, in that little back room in, in the Italian restaurant where I called him for the meeting. It was kind of Godfather. And I called him back there, and I was like, you know, you need to come and give your life to building a church. And I believe if you'll do that, God will make all your dreams not only come true, but he will exceed your wildest dream if you'll lay down your life and build his dream, the local church. And when I saw him up there, you know, I'll just singing and, and worshiping God and leading our church. It took me back, you know. Sometimes you need to go back and just remember those key moments where, where God did the unexpected and, and he blessed you in the middle of nowhere. And then, of course, I turn around, and right behind me is Chunks Corbett, our CFO, a big bald head, his burly biceps lifted high in praise <laughs> with an outstretched arm, trying to sing, trying to sing. His pitch is decent. His tone is terrible, <laughs> terrible. And it took me back to Golden Corral in Shelby, North Carolina. You don't know nothing about Golden Corral in Shelby, North Carolina with your city self. But at the Golden Corral in Shelby, North Carolina is where we used to go and we would go after breakfast just as breakfast was closing. Because if you go right when they're closing the breakfast buffet, you can get the lunch buffet too. And, and you can get two. Y'all know. And, and, and I remember when I sat across the table from, from Chunks and his name is his chunks at Golden Corral, and, and, and he actually had his name changed. His name was James, and it used to be called Luz, but now it's called Bethel. It used to be James, and now it's called Chunks. And they had his name changed, and I look at Chunks back there worshiping, and, and I would think, I remember when I said, hey, I know you're a successful physical therapist, but why don't you move your wife, you know, your, your wife who is soon to be great with child, and why don't you move with me to start a church? And he said, okay, where, where would you want to start the church? And I said, I don't know, so there, there's nowhere that I can like point to, but God put this vision in my heart, and why don't you 
should just like give up on this whole thing. You know, you're probably going to be a partner at the physical therapy thing you're part of in a couple of years. But don't do that. Instead, come start a church with me for free. No salary, can't pay you. Come on. And when I saw him worshiping and I saw him singing the songs that are now going out around the world to places on the globe that we'll never even visit. I'm telling you, it just it took me back. It took me. Sometimes you need to go back. I'm sorry, Brian. I know I love you, but you weren't here. <laughs> you weren't here. You, you were not here when I used to, I used to hide out in, in the bathroom at the community center where we met before we would meet on Sunday nights for our vision meetings. Why were you hiding? Because no new guests were coming. And I had told this precious team of seven families who all sold their houses and set out from their comfort zones that if they would believe God with me, we would see a great movement. But when they were inviting people and people just thought they were weird to come to this new church that we started called Elevation, Evolution what? And I found out there's no first-time guest. I'd go hide in the bathroom because I would think, you know, I would think, what am I going to say to these people? They've already heard all my sermons. There's nobody new to preach to. And so when we were in worship at the arena Friday night, you know, my, my oldest son Elijah was standing behind me for the first two songs, beating on my back as if it were a, a, a drum kit. And that's why he was only there for the first two songs, because it was endearing at first, and then it became incredibly annoying. Incredibly. But for the first two songs, I'm thinking, I remember, boy, when you were just a couple months old and we were moving to Charlotte and we had no salary, and the people that said they were going to pay our salary pulled out on us at the last moment. But me and your mom, we, we moved anyway to, to the city with these families who had no guarantees, but we believed we had a big God who is as good as his promise and what he speaks will come to pass. And I remember moving to the city with you crying in the back seat with your colicky self, and now look what the Lord has done, and look at all these people that God has brought, and look at the impact. Sometimes you got to go back to Bethel. Man. And then I saw Buck. Buck is amazing. I met Buck on a mission trip to Hohat. Hohat is in China, Inner Mongolia, autonomous region. Hohat. And talk about nowhere. Talk about nowhere. I met Buck in China. We would go around and teach English at night. Is this all right if we just go back to Bethel for a moment? Because I'm trying to teach you how to do this in your own life. Sometimes you got to look at stuff and people and places that God has brought, the things that God has done. So I looked at Buck and I saw Buck worshiping. Now, Buck, you need to know Buck is an angry worshiper. He was a college wrestler. In fact, I have a picture of Buck worshiping at our recent staff advance. Look at that. That is a devil. I'm going to break your neck, praise. And I saw Buck worshiping. And I thought, you know, when I was in Hohat, I never knew that the reason God wanted me to go through Hohat, I didn't get it at the time. I didn't even have fun on the mission trip, to be honest with you. I missed home. But there was a buck that I had to meet in Hohat. Now Buck has been with me on five different continents, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I saw Buck. 
And it took me back to Bethel. It took me back. It took me back. Sometimes you got to go back to go forward. Sometimes you got to go back to the place when the money was low and the bills were due and you didn't have anything, but you had God. So you had enough. You got to go back. Back. Come on. Back. Go back. I looked over at my mom and I thought about how, how she had her hands lifted even though she lost her husband a year ago and she's still declaring the goodness of the Lord. And I thought about how she raised me in a Methodist church where I learned some of those old hymns that are still in my heart. So when I'm going through hell, I can sing, I can sing stuff like on Christ, the solid rock. I stand all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale. My anchor holds within the veil. I'll go third verse on you if you mess with me, because I know all those hymns. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. I was singing about bulwark, didn't know what a bulwark was, but I know now it's something that stands and you can't knock it down. And I started to thank God for a foundation that He put in my life, and it took me back to all the places where God has blessed me. Then I saw Jamie Williams. Jamie Williams was a youth pastor in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, and he took the time from me and he would meet with me and he would ask me questions of a accountability like how are you doing in your thought life because if God's going to use you and he is you're going to have to have the right mindset in your sexuality so Jamie would sit with me and talk with me and listen to me and Jamie was there at the concert and so when I walked by Jamie to go do my little devotion on the stage I gave him a big hug and I kissed him three times on his cheek father son holy spirit and I'm secure enough to give him a kiss in front of 13,000 people it's cool because when I go back to Bethel when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me and all the people that he's brought into my life and all the ways he's made. You got to go back to, got to go back to Bethel sometimes. Go back to Bethel, that place, that season. Where God made a way somehow. It's, it's a place of remembrance. I looked and I saw Huey, Larry Hubacca. Huey, we call him Huey. Come Huey Lewis. In my phone it says Huey Lewis and the news. <laughs> and, and, and I saw Hubacca and I remember the first time. Come here, Huey. Remember the first time him and Kelly came to the court team meeting? And this is how his wife introduced. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's definitely going to be in the staff Christmas party videos. Mark that on the table. And it only gets more embarrassing for him because this is what his wife said to me the first time they walked in our meeting, and it was only 30 people. It was 30 people. He's now the creative pastor of the whole church. The whole thing, everything you see, he's his leadership. This is what his wife said to me first time. Hi, this is my husband, not my foreign exchange student. That's all I want you up here for. Take it down, take it down, take it down. Gracefully now. He said, I came to check out your meeting because I like your website. I didn't know at the time that he would be the one who was over the people who were designing the website today. 
where millions, you, you, you got to go back in your mind. And then I looked over at my wife, and that really did me in because I went back to the, the little cabin we were in. Calling it a cabin is kind of a, it's a polite way to say where we were staying at this camp we were speaking at. And she said to me, It's time for us to go start this church that God put in your heart. I said, well, if we do that, then we're not going to have all the security that we have of what we're doing right now. She said, yeah, but if we don't do it, we might miss the opportunity. And then I look at her, and then I looked at all of you, and I just did a 360. And I thought, surely the Lord is in this place. The same God. I wonder, can you do a 360 in your heart today? So you don't have to be in an arena full of people to do it. In fact, it works best if you do it in those moments where you don't know where you're going. And you just take a moment and turn around and say, Look what God has done. It's a place of remembrance, see? It's a place where He set up a stone. He set up a stone. One time Samuel set up a stone in Scripture, and he said, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. The stone is the marker. And Bethel is a place of remembrance. Go back to Bethel, my brother. Go back to Bethel, my sister. Just for a moment in your heart today, go back to Bethel. Remember how he met you in the middle of nowhere. Remember, Jacob is out in a place he's never been on a place, on the way to a place where he's never been. He's, he's in, the, in the middle of nowhere, and God blesses him, and he wakes up, and he sees, watch this, he sees verse 16, Genesis 28, on his first visit to Bethel. He sees, surely the Lord is in this place. I'm not sure about where I'm going. I'm not sure about where I've been, but surely the Lord is, present tense, in this place. And I was, past tense, not aware of it. He is here. He, he is here. I guess you could say, he's still here. After all you've been through, he's still with you. After all the times, he should have walked away and, and you would have given up on you. He's still here. And, and what I love about Jacob is, in, in chapter 28, he's talking about uh, the Lord is in this place. That's cool. That's great. But by the time he goes back to Bethel, you're going to love this. In chapter 35, it's been 21 years. He's been through some things. He's been blessed in great ways. He's married two different women. That's a long story. I'm preaching about that next week. It's going to be amazing because, see, Jacob went to his uncle's house, and I can't tell you right now because it's going to spoil it for next week, but you're going to have to come back next week for student takeover because I'm going to preach this message about how Jacob, he fell in love with one of his uncle's daughters, complicated, and he fell in love with one of his uncle's daughters, and her name was Rachel, and he thought she was so hot, and he was like, hey, girl, let me water your sheep. And so he watered her sheep, and then, and then he went to Laban, and he's like, what would I have to do to enjoy marital union with your daughter, Rachel? And Laban's like, uh, this is very simple. Actually, you worked for me for seven years. I give you my daughter. But what Laban didn't tell him is he was going to give him his other daughter. And so <laughs> it's funny because Leah was the other daughter. I'm going to call this sermon when I preach it next week. I'm going to call it Sister Wives because uh, last week I preached about starving sons, and this week I want to preach about Sister Wives. But that'll be next week. But, but what, what Laban did, because he was real tricky, he's real deceptive, um, because Jacob was a deceiver. Remember when he came out, he was grabbing at his brother's heel, and he was uh, stealing birthrights for bowls of beans, and he was stealing blessings by dressing up like Esau. But even if you're a good trickster and tricking your way through life, eventually life will out-trick you. And so the trickster met the trick that could out-trick him. And so Laban said, hey, 
hey, um, here's what I'll do. Instead of giving uh, Rachel to Jacob, I'm going to get Jacob real drunk before his wedding, and I'm going to slip Leah in. Now, the Bible says that Leah wasn't very attractive. In fact, the actual word that it uses, the Hebrew word, is uh, ratchet. And so it's, that's the, in the original language. And I'll preach more about this next week, so you should come back. But when... when uh, when Jacob woke up the next morning after his honeymoon, the Bible says he woke up and Leah was next to him instead of Rachel. And Jacob said, whoa, what the? And he goes to Laban and he's like, hey man, we had a deal. And, 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 and Laban's like, oh dog, you thought I meant Rachel. No, I was talking about Leah. But it's cool, it's cool. Work another seven years, you can have Rachel too. So Jacob ends up married to these two women. And then after 20 years of living with Laban, he sets out, he goes out, Laban chases him down, almost kills him, but, but the only reason he doesn't is because God met with Laban in the middle of the night and said, hey, if you touch Jacob, you got to go through me because I made him a promise. And so Laban has to turn back, and he can't kill Jacob. And, and that same thing applies to you as God's child as well. If God made you a promise, the enemy has to go through him to get to you. And Jacob… Jacob meets back up with Esau. We don't have time for that story. They, they reconcile. It's a, a great story of, 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 of grace and, and reconciliation, even though it wasn't a perfect reconciliation. And then Jacob's sons do some really crazy stuff that we don't have time to get into, which brings us to Genesis chapter 35. Jacob is 21 years older. He's been tricked by life. He's wrestled with God. He's limping. He's, he's, he's limping. The Bible says his hip is out of socket. So the first time he goes to Bethel in Genesis chapter 28, he's running from Esau. But but when he comes back to Bethel in Genesis 35, he's limping from what he's been through in his life. See, Bethel is a place of what? Remembrance, but it's also a place of revelation. Because it was there in the middle of nowhere. Here's the revelation Jacob went back to Bethel. The place where he had been 21 years earlier, running for his life. He goes back to Bethel, and listen to what he says in Genesis 35, verse 3. Come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. In Genesis 28, Jacob said, the Lord is in this place. But now Jacob has journeyed full circle, and he realizes God wasn't just in that place. He was with me in that place, and that place, and that place, and that place, and that he's been with me. The presence of God is not a place. It's a person. It's portable. He's with you wherever you go. That's why Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. Jacob says, I, I see it now. I see it now. My eyes are open. I've been through some things. I've had some blessings. I've fought some battles, but God was with me in the middle of my misery, God was with me in the middle of my sin. What happens when God shows up in the middle, in the middle of nowhere? In the middle 
of my trouble. It says he's a very present help in the time of trouble. When God shows up in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of hopelessness, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of, 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 of doctor reports, in, in the middle of failed marriages, in, in, in the middle of relational corruption and, and dysfunction. When God shows up in the middle of nowhere, you open your eyes to see he is now here. He is the ever present, ever faithful God and he's here now. He's here now he's here now surely the lord is in this place he was here all along and now i see it he's here now he's now here where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom he is now here he is now here now 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 here now so, so see, so see, you're, you're, you're not alone. You're, you're not by yourself. You're not lost. He shows up in the middle of nowhere so you can see that he is, he is now.